Hi, I'm Crystal Sarakis, and welcome to Off the Page. Mary Gaucher was 12 years old when she was given her Aunt Jenny's old guitar and taught herself to play with the Mel Bay Basic Guitar Workbook. Music offered her a window to a world where others felt the way she did. Songs became lifelines to her and she wanted to write her own one day. Then for a decade, while struggling with addiction, Gaucher put her dream away and her call for songwriting faded. It wasn't until she got sober and went to an open mic with a friend that she realized she not only still wanted to write songs, but she needed to. Today, Gaucher is a critically acclaimed musical artist with numerous awards and recognitions for her songwriting, including a Grammy nomination. Now she's written a book, Saved by a Song. It's part memoir, detailing her struggle with addiction and trauma. It's a guide to writing, not just for songwriters, but for anyone who puts words to paper. And it's a story of facing one's own trauma, of doing the work to heal, and of living honestly and deeply. Mary, thanks so much for joining me. Great to be here with you today. So I should get this out of the way up front. I am a huge fan of your music, and I have been for some number of years. Um, also, my boss demanded that I mention I also play your music on my show, Free Range Folk. He wanted that shameless plug to come uh, into the I'm podcast, honored. too. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you've been writing songs for a long while now. When did you decide you wanted to write a book, too? Well, I didn't. I mean, I always had a a desire in me to, to be an author, but uh, I never made a plan to write a book until I was approached by a publisher with a contract which moves things to the top of a to-do list. <laughs> so I got a book deal before I wrote the book, which is pretty, uh, if there's writers out there, they hate me now. Um, but uh, that's how it went down. I got a, a, a book deal first, and then uh, I sat down and applied myself uh, to the page uh, and uh, uh, worked uh, for years to, to give them their book, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that's not quite how it usually works for most writers. But um, so when that contract came across, did you have any idea what you wanted it to be? Well, yeah, in a way. I mean, it started Yale University signed me and they gave me a title. They want me to write a book called Why Songs Matter. And I wrote that book for them and it never ended up getting published. Uh, and then about two years later, um, uh, St. Martin's Press said we we will publish a version of that book we want you to put a lot more memoir into it and i want you want you to to uh to 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 go uh, more into your story which was the problem with yale in the first place because i'm not uh, a, a a trained musician uh so uh, the story my memoir my 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 reasons for understanding why songs matter have everything to do with transformation and spiritual uh, ideas around the powerful application of music and truth uh, in in the healing process. Uh, so this is all well and good, but Yale wanted more technical things that I don't even know how to talk about. And so great mm -hmm. news for me, St. Martin's wanted less technical things uh, and more story. Uh, so the second book deal uh, was the was the magic number, and I was able to. To, to use my own story and, and recovery as the foundation of the story, which was, it's just a better book. 
I, I loved the book. I know that I, I love the way it's arranged with kind of the um, different songs as the signposts, the guideposts along the way. Did you have certain songs in mind that you wanted to use as, as those chapters to tell your story? Well, what ended up happening, and because I'm a first-time author, I didn't know, and maybe this is how it is every time you write a book, but I didn't know what the framework would be. Um, with the song, I know framework. You have verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, maybe bridge, out. Um, with the book, I don't know how to frame this thing. Uh, and so I had to write and write and write. And then I realized what I needed was a song that demonstrated a particular aspect of songwriting that I was talking about, along with uh, an aspect of my life uh, that I felt was important to bring into the story. So the book's a combo of memoir and songwriting and recovery. My story begins when I quit drinking. Um, and uh, uh, my sobriety is deeply intertwined and my recovery is deeper, deeply intertwined with my songwriting. And so my understanding of songwriting deepens over the, over the years and I try to demonstrate that in the book. Um, and so it was all a tight wire walk um, but it did work out that there were songs that it, uh, were great examples of, uh, of a particular songwriting concept and relevant to my transformation as a human being over the years in recovery. I'm 31 years sober now. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, my family has dealt with substance abuse for many years. I know what a, an achievement that is. Thank you. Um, I can't imagine there's a single family anywhere that hasn't dealt with someone uh, who has a fallen prey to addiction of some sort. It's just a human condition. And I think the higher the, the stress and, and the struggle of, of, of the world becomes, the more likely uh, we are to fall into those destructive patterns. I know that it's been really difficult for folks through the pandemic uh, and people who Absolutely. are already traumatized to begin with. Uh, from a variety of things, be it military trauma or childhood trauma, medical trauma. Hell, the pandemic itself is traumatic. So um, addiction is escalating and we're all dealing with it. And that's why I really wanted to talk about recovery. Well, I mean, you're known in your songs for, you know, your songs are really open, really vulnerable and unflinching. Was it different to write that way, you know, in, in book version versus songwriting? Nah, not really, because in recovery, we tell our story over and over again. It's part of recovery is to recover your story and to become the storyteller uh, instead of the story. To, to have agency over your story and be the storyteller is transformative because you're no longer a victim. You are the one with the pen or the microphone. Uh, so, no, I didn't have any trouble with that. I'm not uh, uh, afraid to tell the story because that's what I do and I've done for decades now uh, to, to facilitate my recovery uh, from uh, trauma and addiction. So um, the struggle was to know which ones fit into the framework. I have a lot more stories that didn't make the book. Yeah, yeah. I, I may not have the quote exactly, but there was a line that really jumped out at me from the book. You know, the opposite of trauma is communication. Yes, the opposite um, of trauma is communication and connection. Yeah. Why do you think it's easier sometimes for us to communicate that, communicate that way in song, in poetry, rather than just sitting down and being able to talk? Well, because by definition, uh, the trauma is ineffable. 
there's no direct way to talk about it. What happened uh, has no words that are direct. Um, something happened that was uh, beyond our ability to put sentences together and express. Uh, that's one of the defining characteristics of trauma, that and the sense that um, my life is ending, that I'm going to die. And there's no doubt around that. I'm going to die and and this is it. And uh, uh, the trauma of, of, of that terror uh, is very, very difficult to express. That's about as much as you could say, is that I, I thought I was going to die. But that doesn't say it all because we go through so many layers of uh, our understanding of mortality and what matters and our brains process at a billion uh, warp speeds per second when we're going through this. And then uh, there's something that happens that changes the brain and uh, uh, coming out of it when we don't die, our articulating it is extremely difficult. Uh, and so this may be one of the fundamental functions of music and song, painting, literature, poetry, is to help bridge the, the, um, the distance uh, between what is um, uh, something we can speak to directly and what it is that we can only speak to indirectly. I think trauma is something we can only sp speak to indirectly. One of the things that stood out with this book, um, and, and as you wrote about dealing with your own trauma, is that you were working through a lot of this in your 40s, in your 50s. Um, and I think there's this idea that when you reach that age, you should have it all together. You know, that you shouldn't be still trying to process the things that happened to you as a kid or something like that. And, you know, is that something that you've seen in the stories that people share with you, that they're just figuring out, hey, you know, I got some work to do here. Oh, that makes me laugh. That's such a misconception and it's impossible. Um, I think adulthood is, is there to, to deal with childhood. Um, there's no way you can process all this stuff in your 20s and 30s. You don't even know what's wrong yet. Um, I, I think uh, getting perspective takes time, especially if you're dealing with childhood trauma, which is what I was dealing with. Um, and uh, generational trauma. Um, I think it takes... Uh, um, what it takes. Uh, and for most of us, it takes a very long time. And so you, you, uh, I got to it when I could get to it. I didn't even know that the first year of my life that I spent in an orphanage, unmothered, um, I was relinquished at birth, born to a, a single mother in the deep South in 62, uh, which back then was shameful. And in the Catholic religion, they encouraged women to give their babies away. And my mother, birth mother, did. And I spent a year in an orphanage, unmothered, and uh, was consequently adopted into a, a fairly unstable family. And I left home at 15. I had no idea that that was traumatic. Nobody ever used those words. I had to figure this out all on my own. All I knew was I felt removed and distant, and I really, really struggled to attach uh, in relationships and friendships. Uh, and I felt uh, a pain that I couldn't describe back to the ineffability. I'm sure when I was a baby in that orphanage, I felt like I was going to die. Uh, and uh, when I asked my birth mom, my adoptive mom about it in my mid 40s, when I started doing this work, she said, you know, when we adopted you, you were catatonic. I'm like, wow, you could have told me, uh, but she didn't want to hurt me. Uh, she was protecting me from 
what she perceived as uh, something that would be hurtful to me. But it would have helped me to understand that, oh gosh, there's something that really, really happened to me back then. And I got work to do uh, in therapy and, 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 and in uh, understanding what it was that happened, how it shaped me, and how, how to heal from it. I didn't know any of this. I just knew I hurt and I ended up in drugs and alcohol uh, to, to my eyeballs, trying to medicate the pain. I didn't know why I was in pain. I didn't even know to ask why. Uh, it, was, uh, it was not something that uh, I even contemplated. Why? I have no idea why. Let's just, let's just try to numb it. And so, yeah, 40s, 50s, 60s, I'll be dealing with, uh, with this uh, uh, th throughout the rest of my life. I'm sure of it. And that's okay. Uh, I don't see that as a problem. I actually am connected to people who are willing to do their work too. And, and we're very uh, much involved in each other's life and there's support and community around recovery. That's a good group of friends and a great way to live is to be surrounded by people who are trying to improve. Absolutely. Um, one of the groups that you're working with um, is the Songwriting with Soldiers group that uh, eventually turned into your last release, Rifles and Rosary Beads. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, yeah. That is a nonprofit that pairs professional songwriters with wounded veterans and their families. And I've been a part of that organization for eight years, uh, using music and song to help them articulate their trauma or trauma and um, really transformative process and program, uh, helping uh, hundreds and hundreds of veterans uh, and uh, using the art form of music uh, to get to places where there really are no uh, words that would suffice. Melody can speak to something far better uh, in many ways than a discussion, especially a roundtable discussion that intellectualizes something that is deeply emotional. You know, I th we talked about misconceptions around trauma already. I think there's a misconception around soldiers that, you know, they're supposed to be stoic. They're supposed to, you know, keep it all inside. And it seems like most people may not get the connection between soldiers and veterans working through this, and even the wives and families of um, being able to express and work through some of the issues they've been with with songwriting. Right. Well, they come to us as soldiers, not songwriters. We do the songwriting part. They tell the story to the best of their ability. It's their story, but we move it into song with their, with their uh, words and their permission. Um, but um, human beings, um, it's very, very predictable what happens to human beings when they go to war. Uh, it has nothing to do with being stoic. It has to do with being human. Um, and uh, the, the, uh, ways that we fight wars changes over time. The impact on the hearts, minds, and souls and bodies of the soldiers hasn't changed one bit uh, since the time of uh, Shakespeare. You know, Shakespeare wrote about this, and there's companies out there that use Shakespearean um, uh, plays to help veterans recover. They, they actually, uh, I saw one that was wildly powerful. Uh, an actor stands behind a a wounded veteran and feeds the words and the veteran repeats the words until they mean it. And when they finally get to where they're saying it with deep meaning and understanding, sometimes they burst into tears because they realize what happened to them wasn't unique to them. That's been happening for thousands of years. 
it gets the shame out. Um, that it's a you're not alone. How you are not alone. You're in a chain of of humans who have been deeply impacted by trauma. Now, like I mentioned, you wound up releasing an album of these songs, Rifles and Rosary Beads, which was nominated for a Grammy in 2019. Was that a kind of validation for you that these stories need to be heard, need to be out there? Absolutely. It was, um, it, for, it was a validation for them. Because uh, I already knew these stories matter and these people matter. But for the veterans whose stories were told and heard, through the um, Grammy nomination and the elevation of that project into a national uh, uh, media event um, was, uh, I think, significant to them. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it really uh, is uh, a testament to their courage. You know, I, it didn't take any courage for me to write those songs. It took courage for them to tell me those stories so that I could help them articulate what was inside them. And that was really, really brave of them. I I love also the story that you're sitting down uh, with the wives, with the spouses, to talk about how they're just as much a part of of war and trauma, you know, as as their partners are going off into that. And that turned into a really powerful song. What was that like with those women, with with just sitting down and talking with them? Oh, I've worked with so many wives now. Um, Bearing witness to what the wives and families go through is incredible. I had no idea as a civilian uh, that uh, when one member of a family serves, the whole family serves. Um, there's no getting around it. Um, uh, there is a sacrifice amongst everyone in that family, constantly moving, constantly wondering if my father, if my mother is okay, uh, being separated from loved ones. It is an extremely difficult job. And understanding what they do and understanding their sacrifice uh, is something that uh, uh, doing this work uh, has brought me. And hopefully the songs that I wrote through this project will help other civilians to see what it's like without having to go into the discussion of the politics of the war. We never go there. It's, it's, not, it's not useful. Um, what, what, what's important is the discussion of what's going on emotionally inside. Now, there are, um, in the book, Saved by a Song, you write about the song Mercy Now and what's around that. You also have a chapter um, around what became the Foundling album, where you're exploring, you know, the orphanage and, and your experiences there. And the thing that jumped out with me is in the chapter about Mercy Now, you say that you have, you've played that song at every show since, you know, you, it came out. But for Foundling, you say you haven't played those songs at all since that tour ended. What is the difference for you between those? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I don't have a good answer, really. Uh, I feel like the foundling story, uh, which is uh, uh, a fictionalized account of my own uh, uh, story, uh, is extremely difficult on an audience. Uh, and I played it in, in its entirety for a year. Uh, it's a collection of 10 songs that tell the story of a, of a baby abandoned at birth, left on a doorstep. Uh, and all of the fallout from that uh, in, in, in her life uh, and uh, her, her search for love and connection. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's a 
it's a workout on an audience. And I felt like in a way I was, um, I was asking a lot of an audience playing that record. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not opposed to that. I mean, that's my job in a way. But in another way, uh, it, it uh, the story is not one that people uh, are in any way familiar with. I think we've all bought into this thing that all it takes is love to make a family and adoption uh, into a family uh, gives you uh, a bridge into uh, um, uh, a new life that would be better than the life that you left behind and there's no use looking back. Um, and uh, if you are received by a loving family, everything's gonna be just great. Um, and the story of the family uh, is not that story. Uh, and I don't believe that it that myth is true. It's the disnification of a primal wound. Uh, I think adoption and trauma are synonyms. I think you lose a lot as an adoptee. And uh, I think that there will be a lifetime of dealing with the removal uh, from your original family and your ancestors, uh, your roots. You're like an unrooted tree in a way. Uh, and I think if we can speak honestly about that, it really does help adoptees and, and, and fostered uh, 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 kids to, to, uh, to understand what they're dealing with. But in, in a way, it was just too much for me to continue that conversation. It wore me out because people were so shocked. Uh, and uh, it's ahead of its time. I think we'll catch up with it at some point, maybe not even in my lifetime. But, but uh, I had to do the work for me, and I'm glad I did. And therapists do use that record, working with adoptees and foster children and birth mothers and birth fathers and adoptive parents, everyone in the triad. Uh, they... Uh, experience uh, empathy that an understanding from someone who's who's been through it that's what the songs are useful for and so uh, I'm glad it's being used by therapists but you know at the end of the day I moved on I, I healed a lot through writing that and after that I was uh, invited to work with veterans and that became the songs and stories I I began to tell that was a pretty good answer for somebody who said they didn't have a good answer. You know, I'm thinking it through as, as I'm explaining, and that's kind of one thing led to another, didn't it? It was, in retrospect, uh, it makes perfect sense, but when you're in it, it's kind of, it doesn't see how, I, it's hard to see how the chain is connected, but it is, it is. You know, you, you the first chapters in the book deal with how you basically are finding songwriting as you're becoming sober. And it seems like you've probably had to do a lot of, you know, like just tapping into memories in the writing of this book. Did you ever wonder what your life would be like today if you hadn't started writing songs? Can't imagine it. I don't know how I would have gotten to the truth of what was troubling me um, and, and began the healing process. Certainly therapy, certainly 12-step recovery, but I needed that I needed the I needed the guitar. I needed the art form to push me further, and also to m demand that I do the work. Kind of like the book deal. It's like you want to write good songs. Well, you're going to have to keep going deep, and if you're going to keep going deep, you're going to find that there's still monsters under the bed. And that isn't to say I don't I'm not funny or I don't write happy songs. I do, but I have to dance with the truth, whatever that might be, when I sit down to write. And the uh, work demands that of every songwriter. And I'm so glad I found it, or it found me. I can't imagine how to get there 
personally any other way. Now, you do seem like you're in a pretty good place in your life right now. Has that affected the songs that you're writing? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm in a, I'm in a solid relationship. Um, I have a, a, a very uh, kind and, and generous partner who, who I travel with um, and sing with. Uh, we are in a really good place. Um, and yeah, I write about love now. I write about connection and commitment. I write about uh, um, also grief. Um, this, this pandemic has, has been uh, uh, a, a, a long walk into a, a place of grief for so many of us. I've lost a lot of friends. Uh, not necessarily to COVID, although COVID took John Prine, who was my friend and my songwriting hero. Um, and I have other friends who who got uh, uh, th through a series of things that happened because of the pandemic uh, in trouble and, and, and were unable to survive what happened. Um, but I think that uh, um, I just write about what's current in my reality and right now yeah it's um it's a, it's a lot of loss and a lot of love and uh they seem contradictory but the more you love uh, the more you have to lose uh, i've i've discovered laughter and tears are my favorite emotion it's <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from <laughs> one of my favorite movies you know i think that we don't really understand collectively and individually how long it's going to take to process what we've all been through in the last, you know, 18 months. Um, and I'll be interested to see what songs come out of that, not just from you, but from, you know, a lot of the performers that, that I listen to. Have you written anything specifically that you can say has come out of the pandemic yet? Well, yeah, I wrote a song, uh, uh, called How Could You Be Gone, about my best buddy that I used to hike the trail right right outside of Nashville for 20 years with the five-mile trail. She pushed me up the mountain when I got off the road. Uh, she got bit by a tick on the trail during the early stages of the pandemic because she kept going into the grass to avoid people who weren't wearing a mask. Uh, and the tick bite uh, uh, caused her to have a, a reaction in her body that killed her. Uh, so how could you be gone is about Betsy. It's also about grief and loss and shock when someone close to you dies, how you can't believe it, that it's just not real. It's just not possible. And it still feels that way a year later. I can't even believe I don't, I never get to hike with Betsy again. It's a shocker to me. She's so much healthier than me and so much more energetic, uh, and, uh, uh, just a vibrant, beautiful, beautiful woman whose um, uh, energy just radiated health and vitality. I just can't even believe it. A bug a half the size of an ant killed her. It's impossible to wrap my mind around. And so I wrote about that, and, and I wrote a song when I learned that John Prine had passed away. Um, I've got uh, uh, stuff I'm writing uh, long form. I hope to write another book. I'm always writing something. It doesn't always culminate in a completed piece, but I've always got something brewing. That's my job as a writer to write and we'll see where it leads. But I, I'm making a record in in uh, December. So uh, I'm gonna lay it all out on a table and see what I have. Well, I'd love to wind up if you're um, willing to do a little bit of a reading from the book. Yeah, I'd love to read uh, 
uh, the epilogue, which is uh, entitled Troubadour. Uh, it goes like this, huh? I am a troubadour. Troubadouring is an approach, it's not a genre. Inside the word troubadour, I hear the word true. Troubadours tell stories, true to feeling, not necessarily true to fact. People need stories to make meaning out of their lives and songs are how most people get their stories. Modern day troubadours are self-perceived outsiders who write songs about underdogs, unnoticed or marginalized folks, and struggles not often heard in mainstream music. In an age of misinformation, disinformation, and lies, we are the wandering minstrels who compose and perform form songs to tell the truth. Troubadours play in theaters, listening rooms, nightclubs, bars, people's homes, yards, barns, folk festivals. We play on live streams. We earn what we can by performing where we can. Troubadours are not the kind of songwriters who try to write songs for hit-driven marketplaces. We're the other kind. When people ask me what kind of songs I write, I tell them I write real ones. I'm called to write songs that help people check in, not check out. While my songs will likely not be hits, they feed me in ways fame and money cannot. My work is more a ministry than a show business venture, though there is, of course, a show business component in every successful ministry. I've offered my opinions and observations on songwriting here with no small amount of terror. I'm no more qualified to write about songwriting than any other songwriter who has made it their life's work. I cannot read music or notate it properly. I'm not always sure of what key I'm in or what chord I'm playing. I have no idea what key I sing in and I honestly don't care. I've carved a career from focused effort trusting my gut and sitting studiously at the feet of the masters. I'm a teacher, but also a student. There's always more to learn about music and song. I've played in dozens of countries and listened to thousands of people's stories. I've heard late night confessions and held strangers in my arms as they wept. No matter a person's nationality, age, race, gender, sexuality, politics, religion, or lack of religion, Human emotion is the same everywhere I go. People are lonely, yearning for meaningful connection. People need hope. People need to believe in something and people are hurting. Many are traumatized, most are afraid. People need love, but love is hard, so much harder than they expected. I understand this because I feel these things too. It's why I became a troubadour. Mary, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you for the beautiful interview. The pleasure is mine. Mary Gaucher's Saved by a Song is available now. And if you aren't familiar with her music, you definitely need to check her out. On the next episode, I'll chat with poet Jennifer Crow. Her poems incorporate many elements of science fiction and fantasy. We'll talk about the art of putting words together and what a poet's writing process looks like. I hope you'll join me. Off the Page is produced by WSKG Public Media. I'm your host and producer, Crystal Siracus. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope to see you next time when we go Off the Page.